Well, hey, welcome to another Acoustic Alternatives. I'm John Bomarito, live from Grow Studios. Well, not actually live, from Grow Studios in Ypsilanti. This is a studio that has been home to almost all of my podcasts so far. Kind enough to encourage me to do it about a year ago anyway, and then uh, offering me a home to do it. If you're a performancer, a performancer, that's a good word. I just made up a word, Brian. If you're a performer and you're looking for a place to get out of your garage and, and not make so much noise around the, the neighbors, this is a great place to rent. Very affordable. Uh, podcasters like myself are using it. And even DJs, there's a spot for you as well. And the podcast for the last uh, seven, eight episodes has been brought to you by David Palmer, an associate broker realtor serving clients of Detroit and throughout the region. And without David you wouldn't be seeing what I'm doing. So thank you very much, David Palmer, dcpalmer.com. For more information, we'll get a little brief uh, information about him in the middle of the podcast as well. So uh, years of radio, 20 years of non-commercial with some 15 years of commercial in there. I've had an opportunity to interview uh, a gentleman who's in front of me several times over those years. And uh, I don't know if you know, Brian, how much your words have meant to me. Hmm. I appreciate that. Brian, um, that you even say that. Thank you. No, it's true. I mean, all the things that you are, songwriter, dad, band leader, grandfather, singer, public speaker, actor, author. <laughs> oh, why do you lost me at grandfather? <laughs> but you are. <laughs> you are. <laughs> but you're an inspiration to me. Cut. Cut. No, that's true, though. <clears throat> yeah, thank you. Thanks, John. I appreciate that. There's a million things I'd like to hear before you disappear. I'm going to quote you. Ah, very good. But before we get into talking, you have a new album to talk about as well. So let's get I into do. a song and then we'll talk about the album. We'll talk about you. Yeah, we'll you do bet. Things. You bet. What would you like to start with from this new let's album? Start coming with out? a song called Found. All right, cool. Here comes the restlessness again. Starts in my fingers, then I'm bursting right out of my skin My conscience whispers, time to go Born in my heart, it's the only thing I know And I am just a pin drop in the map of their hometown Out there chasing melodies with madness all around and anything worth finding is never easily found <clears throat> Another day out on the road Funny how everywhere and nowhere feels like home and I am a shadow of myself Twisting in the wind, longing to be somebody else Leave it all on stage, then glide through the afterglow It's counterfeit and candlelit, and people I don't know The small hours in the smoky haze are for poets and for renegades But I am just an ordinary no one Restlessness again 
I feel it in my fingers till I'm bursting right out of my skin. My conscience whispers, time to rest. My time is served in the quiet of a house arrest, and you could hear a pin drop, a solitary sound. I haven't any strength left to search a love profound. And anything worth finding is never easily found. And anything worth capturing is never easily bound. Bound is new music from Brian Vanderark from forthcoming Verve Pipe album, which will be called Threads, due out on November 5th. And uh, Brian's here with me in Grove Studios. Brian, thanks for doing that. Um, of course. You asked your Patreon uh followers to pick their favorite song i was like no you can't make me pick one <laughs> <laughs> that was a very telling poll by the way well i mean i think i agreed with the, the masses on what the single is going to be you already released it as a video so uh, we're going to get to that one later but yeah uh, i decided because i am a patreon patron and you have posted every single song from this forthcoming album for us to hear mm -hmm. and i spent the week listening to the album over mm -hmm. and over and over <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> i hope in a good way in a good way but i also <laughs> wanted to point out that one of the things I love about you is your lyrical genius of sorts. And Oof, I know, well, genius, okay, let's, let you. No, 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 don't bike, don't backtrack. <laughs> <laughs> I, wanted, I wanted to at least pick a favorite lyric or lyrics from every song then. So for that one, oh, I'm just yeah. a pin drop on the map of their hometown out there chasing melodies with madness all around. Great. I tell you what, John, that I just got chills because nobody picks that. And that's probably my favorite bit. That that's that was one of those inspired moments, and honestly, you know, Channing may very Channing Lee. Uh, we haven't discussed yet, but Channing yeah. Lee very well may have come up with that line uh, with me or on our own, mm -hmm. you know, because there was a lot of us throwing this back and forth. But um, but that, yeah, I appreciate that you like that lyric because that is my favorite lyric of the song for sure. It's like some of your <clears throat> other songs; it paints a picture that I can see. It's it's right. something that I can imagine. It's like a thing. It's not right. just words. It's Mm -hmm. Images, yeah, in some little way, yeah, which is some of the, the favorite things I've I've loved about your music in the past. Is I can see the story, twelve twenty nine Sheffield. I can see that story every time I hear that song. Yeah, I can picture you in it, whether it's really you or not, whether you wrote that about you or not. I can still, because I know you, I can imagine that. But. It's funny, I I I you know I knew the importance of that when an old friend of mine, um, it was an old girlfriend or older brother was a big music buff and turned me on to like Husker Du and the Pixies and all this other stuff. And he, and the new Neil Young record was out and he just, he was talking about, um, I forget which song it was, but something that was very descriptive. And it was a movie that played in his mind when he heard the lyric. And I was like that, you know, that to me is important. And I've, I've, I've known that I've seen those movies in my head mm -hmm. uh, and they play differently in everybody's mind. Uh, but I knew then that that's what I need to do. That will satisfy me uh, as a songwriter, uh, you know, satisfy my own bucket, fill my own bucket, so yeah. to speak. And that's what I've always tried to do now is try to make a movie of each song. And if you can do that, yeah, if you can tell a good story and have the movie play out in people's heads and, and put a nice melody to it to boot. Fantastic. <laughs> well, even before I saw the Patreon comments about that song, and when I was listening to it, I thought, it's a forgotten Simon Garfunkel song when they didn't know that they wrote. And you <laughs> yeah. wrote it for them. That's yeah. what it felt like. I definitely did write it for Simon Garfunkel. Maybe they will reunite and do it just for you. Well, there was a there was a time when that was when I was gonna make a Simon and Garfunkel esque 
type uh, album. Mm -hmm. uh, and, uh, and that was on a, in a song called Polish the Stone, uh, which didn't make the Verve Pipe record. It was something like... Um, I can do this. No, I can't do it. Dang it. <laughs> Boy at a train at a station. The 545, but it looks like it's running late. With your bags. I don't know. Hey, Mr. Conductor, Doctor. Do me a favor. Tell the engineer I've got to grab my books and go. And that conductor, he did me the honor, honor. He's been in love once or twice before. And polish the stone, boy. Get down on your knees. Open your heart up. Go on and let it receive. You gotta look to the sunshine, look for today. Let go of tomorrow, it's just another day. Something like that. Very, Sweet. very Simon and yeah, Garfunkel, early Simon and Garfunkel. I hear it. And, uh, and I, there's still room for that somewhere, but that's that was the idea with Found. You know, I had that for years. I had that for four years and, and was just stuck until I got with Channing. And I sped it up at one time. It was a rock song, you know, and then it was this and that. And Channing just said, here, it's about us playing on the road. And I was like, oh, right, we're on the road, and then we're home. And then we're on the road, and then we're home. And we and it just one night we sat and we wrote it, and I think it probably took us an hour, you yeah. know. And it was the first thing that we wrote, really wrote together, you know. And it was great. It was just a great experience. Mm -hmm. anyway. kind, of, kind of the first thing that came out from the album as well. There was a video for that that... Exactly. Yeah, <clears throat> that was the first thing we recorded and the first thing that came out. Yeah, we made that video too. Yeah, and not technically at the time a Verf Pipe song because no, it was going to be a Channing Lee Brian Vanderberg thing. We were going to do this duet, uh, this uh, side project from the Verf Pipe besides doing the Verf Pipe stuff. And then when that didn't work out, uh, we just decided we could massage these songs into Verf Pipe more Verf Pipe sound, which we did. And I, I'm really happy with it, with the way the album sounds. Well, Simon and Garfunkel is a good uh, segue into me telling you something about my my youth. There was Please. a track tape of Simon and Garfunkel's greatest hits was the soundtrack of <laughs> Driving Around with My Mom and the White Chrysler LeBaron. Yeah. So I wanted to ask you what it was like growing up Vanderark. Was it kind of like growing up Von Trapp mm -hmm. at all? Did you have a musical family? I know your brother, obviously, <laughs> was, was a musician as well. But The only thing that was Von Trapp about our family was that my mom thought we were every bit as talented as them, and she would take us down to the nursing home or the, you know, the senior living facility is the correct term now, uh, to play for the uh, old folks and sing for the old folks. And we did that a couple times, and uh, it was awful for us. <laughs> I mean, for really young kids, you know, uh, because you don't understand. I mean, <clears throat> you know, getting old and people in the wheelchairs and, you know, that kind of thing. So it was a bit frightening. I remember a guy in the front was, like, trying to direct us, and we were singing, like, bringing in the sheaves and stuff, and it was just like he was, like, this really creepy, <laughs> like, crypt keeper guy, you know what I mean? <laughs> but, I mean, I'm a kid. I'm five years old, six years old. So my mom, after a while, used it as a form of punishment, oh. like a warning. Like if you kids don't know, we're gonna go down and sing for you know. So no, <clears throat> yeah, my mom and yeah, no, please, and we'd straighten right up. Uh, so growing up, but I understand that you know that eight track, 
And I think that we had the greatest hits. And I, if I remember correctly, it was during, it might have been during Cecilia that it would uh, fade out and then <laughs> and click into the third track. I wish I could remember, but I you know, I'm pretty sure it was during the rhythm break in Cecilia. But uh, uh, isn't that funny that we used to put just put up with that? Yes, there's no and, way I would put up with that now. Yeah, no way. Can you me, imagine that? It drives me crazy when I'm listening to a digital live album and it's not segued so that the clapping lines up. It's like clap, 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 break, yeah. clap, 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 clap. Yeah, ah, come on. Yeah. <laughs> Can't you do better than that? I'm with you 100% on that. But we 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 put up a, with a lot because it was portable. Yeah. You know what I mean? And you were in control. You didn't, you didn't have to listen to the radio. You could listen to what you wanted to listen to. And so you put an 8-track in and then you put up with those little things that happen. You know, the guitar solo in Hotel California and, you know. <laughs> fading out and fade, coming fade back away. in after a big <laughs> did you uh, take up like take up singing you talked about singing at the age of five singing before playing then oh yeah i sang before i played my brother picked up the guitar my older brother and he was in bands and uh and then i wanted to be like him and, um and so i he taught me a couple chords and that kind of thing the first song i learned was uh glenn campbell's by the time i get to phoenix because nice. it's only two chords i mean it really is you know and it's like one finger by the time I get to Phoenix, you'll be rising, you know, yeah. uh, and I could play that. And then I took my guitar to, you know, in third grade, took my guitar, guitar to school and I would play out at recess and, you know, I would hold court around the tree, you know, like I was Jesus on the mount with these, you know, with the girls and, and I would play, you know, one, two, three o'clock, four o'clock rock, you know, from happy days, yeah. you know, and, uh, and all these other songs that were super easy, bluesy type songs to play. And uh, and I, I got hooked from the attention, you know. I can see that. For sure. <laughs> <laughs> and it probably was a time in the Verve Pipes, uh, huge success period where you were like afraid to go to the hotel because somebody might be stalking you outside. Yes, absolutely. So go from that to that. And yeah. you're, you know, uh, I was never really, a, that's funny because I, I was never really afraid of, the stalkers, you know, when we were out on the road at the height of everything, we looked for attention. You know what I mean? Uh, we had people that followed the bus, you know, six, eight hours, you know, Thanks. that kind of thing. And then you go, oh, yeah, you're just don't mess around with this person. Yeah. No. Call the police and then call uh, the police. Yeah. yeah. You know, I was recently watching because I didn't have it access to it when it was out. I think HBO had it, but Sonic Highways, the Foo Fighters yeah. thing. Yeah. And he's visiting from city to city. But I also see, in this very well done, we'll call it a TV show, uh, lots of pictures and video of young Dave and young everybody else. Mm -hmm. Is there stuff like this of you? If you did something like this, a, a Sonic Highways type show, would there be enough of that old material around? To I think piece so. Together? I mean, when you don't have, I have the same manager, so I'm sure he has some, you know, he has some of that footage. Uh, I, you know, I would never go to the other guys and ask for that kind of footage. I mean, the original members, you know, Brad probably doesn't have any more. I think I took all of Brad's years ago and got it uh, digitized. Uh, so I don't know what exists out there. I'm, I'm a little wary of knowing, I mean, of actually knowing and actually seeing something. I'm still waiting for something to rear its head that I'm like, oh, my God, no. I did that. I don't yeah. want to look at that again. Well, when we, you know, on the Patreon page, is a good example. I had the Tonic Case Choice Tour, and we had a video camera going all the time. And we would say things and, you know, you know how a word like, retarded now you just don't say mm -hmm. you know and and we've learned these things over the years of how hurtful that is mm -hmm. uh but 
it's all over those tapes. And you go, oh my God, we really had no, you know, there was no filter, you know, you know what I mean back then. And, you know, no knowledge or, or it was so much ego that you never even thought that this might be offensive. You know, thank God there was never any N-word or anything like that, because that's, I mean, even back then you knew, you know, you're not racist. Only Richard Pryor can say that. We can't say that. Right. That's right. Uh, but so I would be fearful of, I didn't see the, um, I didn't see the, uh, the Dave girl thing, but, uh, I would be fearful of some of the stuff that does exist, but you know, I mean, we were who we were. Sometimes it's just pictures of him playing, you know, high school aged playing drums or something. Yeah. I mean, and that stuff I've got. Yeah. I was talking about like the height of the fame and right. the road and the whole thing now. And I, uh, I don't have much of that, but. A long time ago when we were talking, I probably at the arc i'm imagining you were telling me that cds were more like business cards these days now you and i were talking before we started mm-hmm. recording that threads is probably not going to come out on cd and the vinyl yeah. will be really late and a linkedin post that you posted recently also kind of supports your stance on the value of recorded music so i mm-hmm. guess i i want you to discuss a little bit of how you feel about what's the value of actually putting together an album anymore i, I i'm happy that you are i love the album right. but like as as a band, what's really what purpose does it serve? There's anymore? more value to me than there is, I think, to putting it out. The, you know, I you have these songs and these ideas, and I got to get them out. If I don't get them out, I'm going to be singing them in my head, and it's going to drive me crazy. I have to put it out there because I've learned years ago that when I have a song, and I'm and I'm playing it on my own, and I'm writing it, or if Channing and I are writing together, whatever. That song is my song until somebody hears it. And as soon as somebody hears it, that's it. It's not, it's not my song anymore. You know what I mean? Their interpretation is what it is. It's a piece of artwork that they've seen or heard. It's no longer mine. And so to be able to make a collection of these songs and then put it out there and say, well, here, here is, I've satisfied my uh, desire to be creative and be an artist. And now it's your turn to interpret it. Um, that's the reason I put them out now. There, the only, there really is no other reason. I, I can't. I, I want to satisfy fans, and fa- you know, I want to be satisfied as a fan of bands that I like by hearing uh, new music. But um, I can't think of another. I can't think of another reason. You know, there. You know, no clubs or theaters or whatever are are chomping at the bit to get the Verve pipe to come in and play new songs. You know what I mean? I mean, that's, I think that's an accurate and fair statement. I think that they, well, that's true, but you know, uh, no radio stations, you know, uh, you know, are again, looking for the new Verve pipe song, which is, which is fine. It doesn't, there's no sour grapes there. I completely understand, but I'm satisfying. Like I said, I'm satisfying my own desire to create art. And and it's, it just, I, when I think it's going to end, it just doesn't end. You know, I got a call from Andy Reid. You know, Andy was in the band for a while. Absolutely. He wants to do a solo album. And I wasn't even thinking about a solo album, but he just texted me today and I'm thinking, I'm already thinking of songs. (laughs) You know what I mean? I I mean, it's like we're just putting a record out. So I don't think it's ever going to end. Good. But again, I'm just satisfying myself. You know, and I, I love that people love the new record, the Patreon people especially. I love that they love it. I mean, I really, I, it would be very disappointed if people didn't like it. Don't get me wrong. Of course. But, you know, I really do it to satisfy myself. I don't know if Channing feels the same, but, you know, she well, might. 
another reason to do it is to make us come to the shows to hear our favorite songs from the new album because there will be people who want to hear the new songs right but they need to know them first like i, right. I can't sit I, it's hard for me to convince somebody to come to a show when they don't know any of the music so right hey have you heard the new album hey right but check. i've long since given up on counting on new material to entice people to come to the shows like we're, if we're traveling down in texas so we're traveling to places we don't normally go uh I know why they're coming. They're coming for colorful and the freshman and maybe photograph. And if they go a little deeper, maybe cup of tea, but it's still on villains, you know? Uh, so, you know, I've long since given up on, you know, uh, putting something out and going, Oh, I hope people love this. And then they buy a ticket to the show. It's just not the case. It hasn't been the case in years. And that's fine with me again. You know, I hear at least two songs that, that could potentially depending on the, I'm I love that. Tell me what they are. Well, you're going to do one of them. I don't know which one you're doing next. So let's find out which one you're going to do next, and I'll tell you if that's one of them. Well, I was thinking of doing uh, uh, No One's Going to Break This Heart. That is one. And, okay. And I wonder if Radio would embrace that. I mean, it's it's a great song. Uh, I think the other one in my mind has some potential for... Oh, well, yeah, I know which one you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, that's... Well, we'll get to it. That's fine. Let's not spoil the fun. <clears throat> we won't. But this one I have some comments about after you play. This okay. is a great one. No one's going to break your heart again. It's from the new verse by Bell. Brian Vanderwerks here at Grove Studios. And uh, this is Acoustic Alternatives. Part of you is lost and never found. Love lifts you, then it lets you down. Suffering reality. You feel the weight of gravity. It grabs you and it pulls you to the ground. All the voices echo in your head The resolutions you had left for dead And once again your heart, it breaks You always make the same mistakes Expecting something different in the end And no one's gonna break this heart again No one's ever gonna get close again there's never gonna be a reason to pretend There's never gonna be another bitter end Until this heart of glass is a heart of stone Buried out there somewhere in the great unknown A solitary diamond to be left alone And no one's gonna break this stronger you're looking for some words something kind a part of you that you thought slipped away comes alive to live another day and when it's unexpected the heart is resurrected and here we are meeting half the way no one's gonna break this heart again no one's ever gonna get close again There's never gonna be a reason to pretend There's never gonna be another bitter end Until this heart of glass is a heart of stone Buried out there somewhere in the great unknown 
A solitary diamond to be left alone And no one's gonna break this heart Whoa 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 And no one's gonna break this heart Never gonna get close again. There's never gonna be a reason to pretend. There's never gonna be another bitter end. And now this heart of glass is a heart of stone, a solitary diamond from the great unknown. It's brighter than the world has ever known. And no one's gonna break this talk about that song uh, a bit in depth but i also want to remember to thank my sponsor because without david i don't really get to do this anymore and um, david palmer thanks for signing up to be my sponsor for the last ep of several episodes if you're a first-time home buyer in the detroit or ann arbor area this is one of his specialties helping first-time buyers if you had a bad experience as your first time and you're looking for your second home he's definitely the guy for that he's a music fan if you want to talk music with him too totally why he's on board with me here because he and i are music fans together and we we talk about music a lot uh super nice guy he's also quite adept at estate sales and downsizing brian and i are of the age uh, you've already lost a parent and uh my dad's not doing too great and i think about i got that house full of stuff that i grew up in what are we going to do with that stuff <clears throat> there's four of us but like we don't know what to do with that stuff mm -hmm. that's one of his specialties he knows what to do with the stuff he knows when the inevitable happens, what am I going to do? He's got the answer for you. So he's your solution. He'll walk you through the steps and with your permission, help guide you to manage the third parties whose services you will need. I know David, he's a great guy. DCPalmer.com, check it out, please. And uh, thank again, David Palmer for sponsoring the podcast. Now that song. DC Palmer. I could write a jingle for DC Palmer. That would be great. <laughs> I would appreciate that. <laughs> all right, some things about that song. First of all, yeah. wow, ouch, it hurts, but it's a great song. It hurts just because... I know somebody who's in that situation where they think they can never find love again. And you said, I find it fascinating when people break up and swear they will never love again. Right. Yeah. Uh, it feels like that, I think. Sometimes. It always feels like that when you're in it, I think, especially um, at that moment where you broke up and you're like, "This, why do I do this every time? But we do. We, we, we're, you know, as human beings, I think we're destined to find love. You know, this, um, destined to uh, at least try to find love. Um, you know, this song was was sadder <laughs> before Brian Maloof of RCA got a hold of it. I don't know if I told you that or not. I think it's before. on Patreon. It might be on Patreon, yeah, because uh, you know, it there was no here we are meeting half the way line. There was none of this other thing. It was just all bad the whole time. And and we wanted Brian to mix it. I wanted him to mix it because he's a great mixer. 
And um, it was, you know, he just, he called me up. He said, listen, I don't know if I can do this. This is just too sad. I need some hope in here. And I said, oh, Brian, come on. This same old Brian Maloof, you know, he was our A&R guy at RCA. And he's always telling us, you got to do this, you got to do that. But I realized he was right and he made it better. And uh, it was the only time I think I'd ever taken Brian Maloof's advice in the years that I had been with RCA, you know, was this time when I wasn't with RCA and he was just, you know, a great mixer and I respected his ear. Uh, and so he made the song better. He made the song better for sure. You know. This was inspired by an elbow. I think it was an elbow-esque type of uh, song too. I don't know if you know that band. I know you're a fan. I, Huge uh, fan. Yeah. I mean, that, that was what I said, Oh man, I would love to write something that has that kind of, ah, da, 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 you know, which is very, uh, what's his name from elbow. Yeah. Anyway, guy, guy, that's his the name. guy from elbow guy, <laughs> the guy, guy from elbow. So we were talking about how, and this actually helps the conversation we had earlier. I already had something I wanted to say about the song, <clears> but what we were talking about earlier, how your pictures come from the, the lyrics and yeah. how many songs would you say you've written? Let's, let's just interject that. I think I tried to figure it out once. I think it's around a hundred that, um, that have been recorded and released has to be about that. Yeah. So let's just say hypothetically, yeah. somebody said, I want to mama mia you. I want to turn your, your songs into a musical. If they did that, yeah. this song is the centerpiece. Have you really listened to the arrangement on this song and thought about it in a musical context? Because this really could be from a musical. I appreciate you say that. I, That's I, not an insult at all, by the way. I don't take it as an insult. I, I find it a compliment. I'm a huge musical fan. Uh a buddy and my a buddy and me were working on this uh, project called Waking Beauty, um, and we've taken a lot of songs off Resurrection and we've expanded them and made them part of this whole story. Uh, I'm 100 percent on board with that, and I think that this song is a good example of it. I think that, but I think that every song I see every song on a stage, I see every song as being a musical. Channing will tell you the same thing because she's a big musical buff too, but for sure. But when yeah. it happens, this is the hit single from the musical. This is the one. Okay. That, this is the one. I'm going to take your word for it. Well, I mean, just even the way it's arranged is, I mean, the, the, obviously the yeah. acoustic performance doesn't lend itself for people to hear what I heard when I heard the full recording. Right, right. With the strings and the the whole thing and the, you know, and the background singing and all that stuff. I mean, it, it really is. a It's a great recording. You know, hats off to Joel Ferguson for that, for helping with the recording and uh, engineering and helping produce and we had some pretty pretty good ideas. This was like you know how um, you know how Jet uh, like uh, Paul McCartney will tell that story about when Jet was recorded. It wasn't a hit song until a radio DJ got a hold of it and edited it into different you know sections. And they used to do that. They would move <laughs> sections around for some reason with the tape. They'd cut the tape, and, and radio programs would just take the take the reins and do that. This was one of those things where it wasn't working, it wasn't working, it wasn't working, and uh, and finally it came together. And I, you know, we had the song done. It was mixed by Brian Maloof. And then I was like, it needs strings. And I got Chris Carmichael to come do strings. And then it had to be remixed anyway. So I'm like, I'm going to sing that beginning over. So I sang the beginning over and changed some things. And it's, you know, it was, but we got it right. I think we got it right. It's like, I'm not comparing it to Born to Run, but Springsteen did the same thing. Hmm. Just worked on it, worked on it until he's like, no, this section doesn't work right here. This doesn't work until he finally got it right. So, Speaking of strings, Brad Phillips says hello. We were Hi, talking, Brad Phillips. We were talking yesterday. And then speaking of openings, the lyrics that I find the most meaningful in this song is the very first lines. A part of you is lost and never found. 
when love lifts you up and it lets you down, right? Suffering reality, you feel the weight of gravity. It grabs you and it pulls you to the ground. Just <laughs> yeah, good. I'm glad. I'm glad that it moves you in that way because that, again, you're you're choosing a lyric that I I'm proud of. You know, well done. Again, the album is Thank called you. Threads. Comes out November fifth. Perhaps only digitally to start. It sounds like. <laughs> yeah, we'll figure that out. We're trying to. I've got four thousand ba- uh, CDs in my basement, John. Of your previous, <laughs> you know, of previous albums. Yeah, I'm like, do I really want another four or five thousand sitting down there? Can you order a thousand? Can you order a small batch? Well, yeah, we do, um, and price. we can. The price goes up, and we're pretty price conscious, you know. But um, but still, you know, no, uh, I understand people want people want uh, CDs, so. And I, and I think with Planet Sunday, the last Planet Sunday I did, that proved it. You know, I've sold six, seven hundred of those CDs, so that's pretty good. I really like those, by the way. Those are great covers Thank albums, you. mostly covers albums. The first one was Partial Cover, Partial You. Yeah, well, I mean, I never intended to do another one, even though we called it Volume 1. I had mm. it in my head that maybe, and I, and I was like, if I'm going to do this, then people that pick this up may not be familiar with my solo stuff. So put a couple of solo things on it. And, uh, and that worked. It did work. I, a lot of people come and say, I didn't know you. I heard Detroit Rock City. And then I went back and said, well, what's this song? I said, well, that's on that album. Oh, then they go pick up that album. So it worked. How did you decide uh, what to put on volume two? You love so many songs like I do. I, would, I don't know that I could pick 12 songs to cover if I was a musician. Well, I have to find an interesting way to do it. I think the least interesting way that I could, that I ended up recording something on that album is The Fall at Your Feet, Crowded House. I think that it's such a great song. You can't mess that song up. You can't. And, you know, I found an interesting way to do Black Hole Sun, you know, just switching to the piano and slowing it down. And and I thought it was pretty cool. And Mayor of Simpleton, you know, same thing, XTC. Uh, and In Your Eyes, too. I haven't heard that version. So I've always, I always look for songs that I can reinvent in some way in my own way uh and that's the most important thing and a lot of times it is when we hang out after a show we go to somebody's house and hang out or whatever you know people pass the guitar around and they play a song and you go oh my god that's so fun i haven't heard that song in years and then you you know you you remember that and the next time you do it you go i keep going back to this one song you know playing mayor mayor of simpleton which is you know such a great riff. Never been near a university, you know, and uh, and I'm like, oh, I should record that, you know, re-record that, and so that's that's how I come up with those, you know. And you tended to pick, you and I have very similar musical tastes based on that album, and you tended yeah. to pick some of my very favorite songs from those artists, like Mayor Simpleton would be probably one. If I could sing, I would sing it. You know, yeah, it's such sing. a great melody, and so, and he was so, you know, uh, I remember he was. Fairly, I think I remember if he was fairly dismissive of that particular song. I guess I guess Andy Partridge isn't really dismissive of any of his work, but <laughs> uh, but uh, you know there are other songs on that record that he loved. You know, having that conversation with him, um, and we had long conversations about his songs. You know, anyway. Well, no one's going to break your heart again. Heartbreaking. I don't think that's your life. You're happily married as far as I know. Yeah. And there's more than one song on the album. I feel that it's kind of like this like downer relationship thing. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's pretty indicative of my writing though. I try to find, I want to move you. You know what I mean? I'm speaking to you personally yeah. too. Oh, thank you, you know, I do want to move you. 
You know what I mean? I know you're a fan, and uh, and so I'll think, well, will this song move this person or will it move this person? You know, we've got – there's a running joke. I won't say who it is, but a running joke in the band that there's somebody who's going, oh, so-and-so's going to hate this, you know? <laughs> <laughs> uh, and uh, and it's funny, but that's, that's you know, that's what's thought – it is thought of that. So uh, moving people, uh, when you write about death, even though nobody around you has died, uh, when you write about heartbreak, when you're not – particularly heartbroken, those kinds of things are because uh, I want people to appreciate that I can I can put myself in their position enough to be uh, to have empathy to write like that. That sounds very it sounds very egotistical, but it is a way to uh, it might be an easy way to get a song out. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. a really difficult song to write is a love song that has not been written. Every love song has been written. Sure. I think you and I actually talked about this in the Resurrection interview years ago. It just came back to me when I wrote Someone Like You. I wanted to write a love song. Mm-hmm. And it has to be something unique. Uh, and uh, and I think I think there are easier ways to find uniqueness in songs that are heartbreaking songs because everybody has a different story about heartbreak, but pretty much everybody has the same song about love. Isn't that true? It's true. That, I gotta write that down. Are we recording this? Because that was very that was pretty profound. <laughs> someone like you doesn't has, happen very often. Someone like you has great lyrics that are, had never been written before. I mean, I, I oh, that's nice. I especially uh, love the the McCartney and Lennon line in there. The McCartney yeah, wrote. gotta throw McCartney and Lennon in there. That was great. And yeah. then the 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 times that you've written sad songs. I mean. Another good man. I've I've cried more than once at one of your concerts while you play that song because it is an absolutely moving song. It's a real life song. It's, it's yeah. I know it's real life for you, and it hurts yeah. to hear it. And it's going to happen to me. It's going to happen to. It's going to happen to everyone. Everybody. Right? Inevitable. It's funny because there is a good example of just uh, hundreds of sheets of paper that were not crumpled and thrown away. That you know what I mean. I there were so many. That song took forever because oh. it's it's just too important. Of a subject, if it's if it's my heart we're talking about, I want to get it exactly right mm-hmm. because it is cathartic. It's it's I'm able to say it and sing it, and I'm able to get teary eyed while I'm singing it because I'm thinking about it. Uh, you know, as much as this one, you know, I feel like during the moments where what you were talking about with uh, no one's going to break this heart again, the arrangement and the strings come in and everything, and when we're playing it live and we get to that crescendo, I I lose it. I've for, and I can't hold the note because I I get choked up like yeah. I just did just now, uh, and and Shannon and I have talked about it and and you know you can see there's tears in my eyes and it doesn't pertain to me, yeah. But you feel the pain of other people and you go wow and the way that the music comes together in a way that it should to really nail the sentiment. Um, I think that this we succeeded in that and when that happens I get choked up. I'm also, I also get choked up from gratitude. I'm thankful that I can do it. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I, I really, it's nice to be able to sit back and go, wow, I, I had the muse there and I was able to do something like this. And especially with this album, this album I feel very strongly about, you know. So, you should. Yeah, thank you. And where we're going to go next is... The hit single that you don't think is a hit single. <laughs> well, your no. Resist- your resistance to the track I, is, it surprises me, though. Listen, I'm not saying it's not a hit single. It's buried on the album. It should not be track 12 or whatever it well, is. Well, listen. It, it should be two. Listen, it almost did not make the album. No, you got it too low in the track listing. Okay, I appreciate that. But I'm telling you this. 
this album was uh, so close to being left, or this song was so close to being left off the album. It just didn't seem like it fit with the rest of them. I was stuck on lyrics that I, I didn't like. And Channing pushed and pushed and pushed and said, we have to do this. And even up until the point where Daryl Thorpe, great mixer, Grammy-winning mixer, he mixed the song, and I got the first mix, and I said, holy shit, this guy, this is it. I can't believe I now get it. I get the song because of this guy's mix, which is crazy, because I knew all the parts were there. He just put them all in the right place at the right level. And I went, yeah, I see what everybody's saying now. So, and now that we've overhyped it. Did it get placed in a movie? Do I remember reading that right? No, but, but... The whole joke with Channing was that she said, you know, this is this belongs in every Drew Barrymore movie from the nineties. <laughs> you know, I was like, Yeah, you're right. That's well, exactly right. I think it has potential. All you right. Now, so do it. Uh okay. This is an exclusive, by the way. I've never played this uh A stone at the foot of a mountain I got no love after the fall It brought me to my knees With all the used to be's And used to be's mean nothing at all I was lost like a breath in the wind That love come and gone And the hell I raised In my younger days All that dark before the dawn It's all the same Whatever happened to what's his name Whatever happened to him Your mind when you can leave it all behind love will find you again she came back like a bird in the spring a little song on a little wing I was on my own alone and then I heard that little bird sing it's all the same whatever happened to what's his name whatever happened to him you free your mind when you can leave it all behind love will find you again Whatever happened to what's his name? 
whatever happened to him You free your mind when you can leave it all behind Love will find you again you again new music from brian vander from the forthcoming for pipe what's the matter nothing why are you laughing i'm <clears throat> just laughing because it's ridiculous is this a song your brother doesn't like just like happiness is he doesn't want to play it no Bradley actually really loved this song in fact when i sent him all the songs when he rejoined the band i sent him all the songs this is one of the ones he was like oh yeah this is great like, oh, <laughs> how does he God. object to happiness is not that then it's so funny well because this wasn't written by donnie i guess that's that. why i get that uh, you know, I wrote this for that movie, for that, what's that huge movie? Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> Star is Born. Yeah. They, they, they asked me if I would go into the studio in L.A. and record a bunch of songs, and I recorded three or four songs, and this was one of them. Yeah. And, uh, and then submitted, and then they ended up changing the whole vibe of the, you know. It was going to be an alternative rocker. I didn't see the movie. Was he, he wasn't an alternative. He was kind of a Americana yeah, rocker. Yeah. Yeah, so it was going to be a 90s rocker who, you know, somebody like me who had their moment and everything. And then, um, and so I wrote it from my perspective and made it kind of bouncy and fun. And I think I submitted Carry On to that song that's on Overboard. Hmm. Anyway. Well, when people hear the fully produced version, they will understand how I think that. What are you be. saying? That my version wasn't a hit? Oh, no, no, no. I'm saying the fully produced <laughs> version sounds like it belongs in a movie, sounds Again, like it belongs on radio. I say this all the time. If you can't play something on an acoustic guitar and make it sound great, then the song is lacking. Correct. Uh, I'm very proud of this song. I, and I, again, I'll thank Channing because she's the one that really pushed for it. And the other guys, too. They all really liked it. So, very cool. Yeah. Well, you seem to embrace the many roles you have to play to be a musician in 2021. I mean, it's not just about writing songs and recording anymore. You've got, oh, no. you've got no. a lot of different things to do to be successful. Sure. Did that come easy to you? Was that something you had to fight with yourself on? <sighs> I mean, you seem like you're naturally good at it. You're really good at connecting with your fans. Yeah, I'm, I, I love my fans. I, I love my fans. There, you know, there's, that's an odd thing. That's a, that's, you know, who wouldn't love somebody that loved you? You know what I mean? If people really like your stuff, then, you know, it's hard to, um, <clears throat> it's hard to be mad at somebody who really loves your stuff. But I've had people go, I've gone toe to toe with people that have really loved my stuff and think that, you know, this particular song is not a good song and it shouldn't have made the record, you know, that, that kind of thing. And we've had those conversations and sometimes they were right. I have Facebook, I wrote a song called Facebook friend. I had a question, a question that relates to that very thing. Like, are there songs you regret? And I had a feeling you were going to say that one. It's the one song that I regret. But I regret that I didn't push Bill Simsek harder on the theme of the song. You know, Bill's from another, the next generation. And so writing Facebook Friend was about a guy that was murdering people. There was Facebook friends, and he, like, picked his top 10 MySpace friends, and he was going to pick them off one by one. Yikes. So that's where it started. 
and Bill just, you know, he loved, he liked, I think he liked Facebook and he liked the whole thing. He's like, oh, it's very catchy. Let's just make it this catchy, fun thing. And oh, what that's part about murder and the whole thing. We need to take that out. And all that stuff. Did it's he like, produce Hotel California? People are dying <laughs> in that know. song. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. I didn't bring that up. You should have. <clears throat> you already so, know about death. I'm not blaming Bill. I'm saying right. that I, and I had people say to me, oh, that song, that's terrible. You shouldn't put that on the record. You know, because typically I'll send out demos to people to hear. And, uh, and I did it anyway. But, uh, I think it could have been a, like a standalone single, maybe not on an album, just because that yeah. way it would have been perceived as a novelty song. A novelty song, yeah. And uh, and also, I just think that um, unless you saw it live, you didn't know that I was singing it in a tongue-in-cheek way. You <laughs> right, <know>? exactly. <clears throat> but to get back to what your question was about uh, promotion and you know what you have to do and fans and how I feel about fans is, you know, we had one and a half million fans in the late 90s that bought villains now it's up to three million or something so but back then one and a half million fans and then you put out another record and the expectation is that because you have the machine behind you you don't really have to do anything but now you go back and play now you go out and play shows and support the record and do interviews and that kind of thing you don't have to cultivate the connections that you made with these people with these fans and so you let them all go and then they go away and then they don't come and they don't buy the next record and you go oh no you know, I made a mistake. How do I get them back? How do I get them back? And you don't get them back. You get them back over the course of what? It's been 15, 20 years for me now. That's how you get those fans back. Uh, but uh, so you have to get good at that kind of thing. And the most important thing you have to be good at is cultivating those connections that you had with fans. And that's what I'm doing. That's what I'm doing. I did that with the lawn chairs thing. Yeah. Face to face, played over 800 house concerts, going into people's homes and talking to people like I was a politician. Yeah, honestly, it is a kissing babies and like, oh, I love your place. And well, what, and let's talk about your house and talk about you and tell me about you because I'm in your house. Uh, genuinely interested in what they have to say and what their lives are. And sometimes you get story ideas and song ideas from that too, which has happened to me. Uh, so there's nothing but advantages to reconnecting and connecting with people uh, for me. Until one of them threatens you, you know what I mean? Or you they will. show up at your house. Yeah. And you're like, well, wait a minute, this isn't part of the deal. Uh, yeah. This is supposed to be your lawn chairs and living rooms, <laughs> not mine. Not my lawn chair. Yeah. Get out of my lawn chair. Yeah, please, get out of my lawn chair. I mentioned in the, in the beginning the word author. You have a book coming. Tell me about that. Yeah. Oh, man, the book is, uh, you know, it's been years working on it. I started it in 2014. It was started out as a standard biography uh, autobiography, sorry. And uh, and I just realized over the course of rewriting and rewriting, first it was sour grapes, you know, then it was this, then it was this. And then it was stuff that nobody would really care about. And then it was stuff that was too cliche that everybody had gone through. Uh, and so I decided to go really lean into the concept of struggling with uh, my past being a Christian, growing up a Christian and shunning uh, the church uh, and, um, but finding spirituality in the whole thing. Uh, and so there's an, in, there's a, an imaginary, I have imaginary Jesus follow me. He's my imaginary friend and we have conversations in the book and this kind of funny conversations. And there are times when he ditches me and there are times when you look over at the bar and there's Jesus sitting there chatting up somebody, that kind of thing. And then there's an imaginary, my old drill sergeant, uh, who's the exact opposite. So they're kind of like the, these characters that are on my shoulder that, that we have these funny philosophical 
differences and questions and answers and arguments and, you know, these kinds of things, but not in a, not in this existential way, in a way that anybody can relate to, I think that has gone through, you know, has been, a, a, been in the church and then, you know, left the church and decided just to be a good person and what that means. Uh, and that's where the book is now. And it's, it's, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, it's done. It's so close to being done. I have a, one more rewrite to go through, but, uh, the reaction from the people that I've given it to has been phenomenal. I mean, I just have to get up. I want, I want to find a publisher. I don't, I don't really want to self-publish it. Uh, I'd like to find a publisher. And so I'm in the midst of finding a publisher. Just as a fan of, of books that musicians have written, I actually yeah. love when they do an audio version and they read it themselves because I connect yeah. with it a lot more. I would way. do that. The one, the one I didn't enjoy was Chrissy Hines' biography read by Patricia Arquette. Oh, Really? That seems it made a, no sense. A bit of a stretch. It was, yeah, it wasn't so good. But everything else I've enjoyed, like, you know, Alvis Costello reading me his book. It was very yeah. enjoyable to hear his story. Phil Collins read his book. Right. Bruce Springsteen read his book. Yeah. So. Yeah, th I try to make this a little, I mean, I will do that. But, you know, you just named the people that are iconic, that you, that the masses know them. They're interested in what their start was and what happened and this and that and this and that. For me, it's a different thing. We, we don't have that kind of success where no one's, you know, rushing to the bookstore to buy, you know, this guy that wrote The Freshman, you don't really know him. And so it has to be, it has to be really well written. It has to be funny and uh, to keep people's attention. And, and, and I think that that's what's going to sell the book, you know, and that's hard to convince a publisher. You know, Little Brown was a huge publisher. Uh, we were all set. They were going to publish it. And then he took it to the sales department, the editor. And they said, you know, this guy's got 10,000 Twitter followers. You know, we, 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 how are we going to sell this? You know, we can't sell this. You, they don't have enough of a social media presence. And they, and he said, I'm sorry, this is just the way it is. It's the way it is. So, you know, so I lost little Brown, very mm. disappointed, but that's, I, I understand that. That's why the book has to be great. Has it's to gonna, be word of mouth. It's going to get there. Yeah. Looking forward to it. Thanks, man. All right. So the songs you aren't going to play, we're going to look at some of my favorite lyrics from and talk briefly about those. Okay. Uh, you adding Channing to the band, by the way, was, it changes, it almost makes me wonder if it's still the first, not that she's not welcome, but it just, it doesn't sound 100%. like the first pipe. 100%. And mm -hmm. her contribution on the freeze <clears throat> is especially non-verf pipe. Uh, yeah. A lyric on that, when you want to run, but you're bearing the weight, the branch-like fingers of a clumsy boy. Once an open sky, there's a, suddenly a ceiling, and you're forced to feel. And it's such a sad and powerful song. But without her singing it, like I, I read your your comments on Patreon, like yeah, it, she needs to be there. She needs to sing it. Yeah. Yeah. The funny thing is, is I I think I wrote most of that, uh, most of that song. I mean, we well, we did sit, we sat and we wrote together. I can't say, I can't say which lines are mine, but conceptually the whole thing was my concept, but it was, it was in the, I would be in the life and the body of a girl <clears throat> who had, um, suffered, uh, you know, the, uh, to the hands of Nasser, you know, and the whole gymnastic, uh, thing. And I knew that I could never sing it. So from the beginning of the concept of it, I knew that I had to work with Channing on that. And that kicked us in the butt to work together because it really did work. And I, then I couldn't sing it in huge fights with managers and, you know, my manager and 
that you, this can't be a verb pipe song. You have to sing the lead. I said, I can't sing the lead. And too many people like the song. We got to go with Channing singing it. And now you saw the poll on the Patreon thing too. It's like, it's like the second most popular favorite song from people. And she's singing it. I agree with you. It doesn't sound verb pipe. No. It doesn't sound Actually, verb pipe. a lot of the album doesn't sound verb pipe, quite yeah. honestly. But I think we had to move. I think we had to move, in my opinion, we had to move into a, uh, an area that we had not been in before, which I feel like we have. And, uh, and I think we can grow from there. You know what I mean? Um, selfish, selfishly, I wish, you know, I would like to go back and re-record a villain's type of album, but, uh, but that would be, again, I guess they're all for me. I, I just want to satisfy these urges, hmm. but, uh, but I also want to satisfy my urge to reach, to reach a different place. You know, my kids listen to Imagine Dragons and these other, and a lot of other bands that are popular. I mean, when they listen to rock, they listen to Imagine Dragons, that kind of thing. And I was listening to, I listened to their stuff with my kids listen to it. And I go, yeah, it's pretty sparse and, but it's got great melodies and then it's huge at some points and mm. then it's small. And that's what I said, well, maybe we can try that and we'll try that. And that's what we tried here, you know, but I think we have more, uh, I think there's more lyrical substance to what we have here. Uh, and that, so that satisfies me all the way around. But it's a fair assessment on your part to say it doesn't sound like verb pipe. I mean, I've heard that. I almost think, you know, new band name or verb pipe 2.0 or something. I don't know. Yeah. It doesn't matter. I mean, you're well, still, I mean, a new name though, you start you from scratch and then you don't get booked anywhere. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's yeah. like, okay, well you can consider that, but if you're thinking about it from a business perspective, it would have been a terrible move to call it something else. I mean, we just you're couldn't, right. we would never have been heard. You're absolutely right. Bad how many idea. bands, how many new bands are heard that are over the age of, you know, where the members are 50 and above? You're right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Do you know that John Mellencamp and Bruce Springsteen just put out a single together? You should. That's I mean, funny. if this was 30 years ago, that would be huge, but yeah. it's probably not going to get any airplay. It's not bad. It's just like, who's Is it in? true that they did that? Yeah, there's a new song. John Mellencamp was featuring Bruce Springsteen. Oh, that's so funny. Yeah. Those right. guys. Right. I love those guys. Right. But like 30 years ago, it would have been huge. Huge. Today, not so much. Yeah. All right. Forever Reaching. I think that's the opening track, right? Yeah. It's just a thread of crimson that binds us, wrapped in red, always reminds us. Is this in reference to the book, the crimson thread? It's, I, uh, I think her, you know, she explained, I don't know that book, but she explained to me the Japanese folklore. Is it that, um, is it perhaps the book you're talking about? I think so. About how we're all connected through this, this Chan one. Channing wrote this one? <laughs> she wrote the lyrics, yeah. She wrote the... In fact, I think she wrote everything. I don't think I even contributed to this one other than she played it on the piano one night after we had been working on other things and we were out of ideas and Quinn was downstairs and we were all, her husband Quinn, and we were, you know, having a beer or something. And then we were wrapping it up and I've got my guitar packed up and she goes, oh, oh, I had this other thing. And she went to the piano and she was just like, this is how it begins. I'm on my mind, try to keep it. Ba -ba -ba -ba. I was like, what? Wait a minute. <laughs> Hold on. Let's actually, you know, honor this a little bit. And, yeah. see if, and it was just great. And I said, well, we first of all, we're going to speed it up. We're going to make it a little heavier in this, and we're going to do our thing to it. Uh, but, uh, yeah, but that, that's, uh, the rest of it, I think it's all Channing. Yeah, that's the latest single, too. I think that's yes. how, Yeah, yeah. Track number two, which 
my opinion belongs flip flopped with the song we were just talking about, the hit single, the the, the movie song, Witching Hour. Right? Witching Hour is number yeah. two. But I, I, in my in my track listing, Level Find You Again belongs there. That's just my opinion. Okay, I'm allowed to have an opinion. I hear you. I understand the value of track number two. I yes. understand it. Yeah. Uh, for us, for me, track number two, a year ago, was Witching Hour because it was people were loving it live. They loved it live. And I said, oh, we have something different, unique here. Let's, you know, people were requesting, requesting it. It's like, let's put that second. You know, Fair so, enough. And it all evolves over the, I mean, this album has been a three-year process. Four years, actually, almost. Sleepwalk in the garden with me under the weight of the secrets we keep. Ooh. Yeah, you know, that's not me now. <laughs> Which an hour is 100% chanting to What's the Morse code going on in that? The dot dot dash. Uh, it is, uh, I believe, dot dot dash 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 dot is you and me. Oh, okay. And then me and you. I think she must have figured that out before she. She figured it out. In fact, she the first time she ever brought this song up, she said, "I have a song called I've been working on called dot dot dash." And I said, "That's a terrible song. I don't know that I even want to hear it." <laughs> <laughs> You're so honest. And we laughed because by the time we actually wrote the music, I mean, I wrote a lot of the musical changes when we finally got into it. I, and I said, uh, remember dot, dot, dash? And she goes, this is dot, dot, dash. I'm like, what are you talking about? And then she sang the ending, the dot, dot, dash in the studio. I was like, oh, my God, I can't believe that. All right, save me from the roundabout routine. Lust is dining with the beast, a secret mm. that is kept but often beholden. And I hear, I see the word roundabout, and I also see you calling it a prog rock song. And I go, hmm, mm. is that a little nod there? You know, I would... I got to tell you, now I'm always going to think of it that way. I never even made that connection. Bravo, John Bomarito. Bravo. I've done it again. <laughs> but I love that That's lyric. That's great. Anyway. Uh, yeah, Save Me came uh, Save Me came with just me messing around with the guitar, the electric guitar. Rarely ever plugged the electric guitar in. I was just riffing, and I was like, oh, this sounds like something, and then wrote Save Me and was really excited about it and excited to do a prog rock thing with the band and you know, get syncopated drums and bass going and the whole thing. And it's, we're going to rock it uh, live for sure. Who are your favorite prog rock bands? I was a big fan of, uh, well, you know, I, I mean, if I go, if you go to like, depends on what you, we consider prog rock. Remember Marillion, yeah. you know, great. All the best freaks are here, you know. <laughs> Uh, I also liked, you know, I considered uh, Camel to be a bit prog rockish. I, I considered like any, I considered albums to be more prog rock than bands. Like Sticks to me, The Grand Illusion. You know what I mean? I consider that to be prog rock. You know, what is the definition as a musoid? What is the definition of prog rock? It's rock that's, you know, Pro progressive is what prog stands for. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, progressive. Progress progressive melodies, progressive time changes. Oh, we're not talking like about Prague, uh, Czechoslovakia. No, <laughs> no, no, that's a joke. Ass. That's a joke. Uh, but no, but something that's progressive that takes you in different places within the confines of, uh, you know, of a song. Yes, so six, Rush. seven minute songs. Yeah. yeah. Rush, that kind of thing. Um, so all of those, you know, when Styx was doing that, you know, Genesis Duke album is mm -hmm, a prog, very sure. progressive rock album and it's conceptual too. So, you know, prog rock and conceptual records, you know, I love, I love, I mean, I listened to them all the time when I was a kid, but again, that goes back to the love of Broadway and shows, you know, and yeah. musicals because they are musicals. That's right. You know? All right. Set me on fire. This one hurts. It's a Beatles song. 
Did you write a Beatles song? Uh, no, that's Channing's too, and that is a Beatles song. But the, the uh, strings especially make it a Beatles song. Well, we you know we gave the song to to um, Chris Carmichael. <laughs> we gave the song to Chris Carmichael, uh, who's our arranger, and uh, and I said go crazy, do whatever you want, and he came back with that, and we didn't even know what it was when we got it. We're like, wait, what is this? And then after two or three listens, we were like, oh my god, it's perfect, it's so good. So happy with it. So happy with it. And that's that was another one that's mostly Channing's. I didn't realize this album's very top-heavy with Channing. Well, maybe she wrote this lyric, but this one got me. Like, oh, man. Now you're just someone that I sleep next to. The bed yeah. is still empty without you. That's her. Jesus Christ. Empty with you. Oh, with you. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, yes. That's all Channing. Great. Yes. Great lines. Yep. Wow. Yeah. All right. Ouch. You see why this is, this is what, I, what a lot of times I have to explain to people. You know, I'm running out of things to say. I mean, honestly, I'm getting older. I've written a hundred songs or so and lyrics are coming, come harder now. So I'm finally ready to collaborate with somebody who has the same idea of what songs should be. They should be lyric driven. They should have a story to them. They should be movies in your head and that you listen to any of the Channing and Quinn stuff. You go exactly. You know, she writes a song about a magician's assistant who's going to murder him, you know, and you go and the stalker song, you know, and from the eyes of a stalker. Uh, and I knew that I could count on her to make the stuff better that I was writing. And it's true. There you go. It's true. Glad you brought her on board. Yeah. What might have been the lyric, shoulders carry load bearing weights, head and anchor forfeit the great unknown, wondering what might have been. Yeah. It's also pretty heavy. and <laughs> That's like, all me. <laughs> yeah, that, I mean, my head has felt like an anchor for the last couple of years, like, yeah, like I know. weighing me down I'm my shoulders. Sure. Like, oh, that's, I'm sure. That's what I felt well, like. Well, we all feel that way. It's about pining for something else and wondering what might have been. And then you're, you know, and then getting more specific with relationships and everything toward the middle and the end of the song, mm -hmm. <clears throat> you know, and thinking about what might have been. You know? <laughs> a uh, song that, oh, I'm sorry. No, no, I was just going to say that's, that's a gist of that. A song that features the ghost of Tom Petty. You deserve whatever comes around. <laughs> you reap what you sow. It happens even though every heart you broke is moving on. Least favorite on the Patreon page. That was not, not really your love. Well, I think, I, I mean, I think there are other choices. I mean, I, I like the song. I like the song. I, I, I like it better than Love Will Find You Again. I don't think that it has more potential as a, you know, as a catchy hit song. But it just sounds like Tom Petty to me, and I love that. Cool. So stick with it. Yeah. And then the end of the world. Time is all that I've ever had, and I would trade it all to have you here tonight. Yeah, it's Channing. That's that's well, all. I, I had Channing. to guess after our conversation that probably was. She wrote that entire song. I, I think I helped her with the bridge musically, but that's Channing's song, and it's great. It's a no, that's a great album closer too. And the last song we haven't played yet, I think I could quote the whole song, but the lyric that really jumps out at me, it's feeding the flames as autumn leaves. It's one of those great turn oh, of phrases. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, autumn leaves, autumn leaves. Oh, my gosh. You are so damn clever. You wrote that. Well, first this fire. one's me. Yeah, this one's definitely This has me. lots of great lyrics. This is First Fire Thanks, Winter. Man. It'll be on the new Earth Pipe album coming out November 5th called Threads. Oh, I'm out of way out of tune for this one. Hold on, but it's not in tune, so we can't do it. Let yet. me take you. Oh, this new capo I bought. I tell you what, I won't. I won't uh, say what it is, but it's <laughs> not, not your favorite. Okay. The sun is awake. 
with its burning colors gold and amber sentimental sky and we are all alone with our yearning attention starved to do right And I don't know why we're so surprised By a fire in the furnace We paid for the oil that's feeding the flames as autumn leaves And I don't know how I wasn't aware Of the absence of the earnest When you're alone, a chill to the bone is nothing new Light a candle for the wicked and the weak ones Bound to pull you in Like the moon rips the tide from the shoreline We ride that current And I don't know why we're so surprised by a fire in the furnace We paid for the oil that's feeding the flames as autumn leaves And I don't know how I wasn't aware Of the absence of the earnest When you're alone, a chill to the bone is nothing new Sun is alive with its burning and colors bold and fury, a sacrificial fire. And we are all alone with our yearning, attention starved. I don't know why we're so surprised by the first fire of the winter. We paid for the oil that's fading the flames as autumn leaves. And I don't know how I wasn't aware of the absence of the earnest. When you're alone, a chill to the bone is nothing new. I could write songs. It would sound something like that. That's a good, good song, sir. Thanks, man. Thanks Thank for doing you. that. Very inf heavily influenced by Michael Stipe and R.E.M. and the whole uh, Automatic for the People, you know, which is a, just a beautiful, beautiful record. Sure is. You know, so All right. Thank you for that. Thanks for your time today. Two more things. Yeah. This one I got to read because it's a lot of things I thought of. 
Okay. <laughs> You've lived quite a career, sold more than 3 million albums worldwide, toured with Kiss and NXS, been in a movie with Mark Wahlberg and Jennifer Aniston, had your songs featured in movies, collaborated with Jeff Daniels on an album, had one of your solo albums, well, actually two of your solo albums, produced by the legendary Bill Simzik, had a number one song on the alternative rock charts, and also made the top 10 in many other categories. You've done countless house concerts, played huge festivals, released two family albums, you've dropped cereal out of your guitar on stage and spent time in the army. What oh, one moment man. really stands out to you that makes you smile? Oh, man. It doesn't have to be any of those things. You, you've had quite the life, though. I think, oh, man. What stands this is your life. This feels like the TV show. I mean, if we're talking about how far away you personal, are from the microphone? If we're talking about personal, sorry, if we're talking about personal, I, I think the moment that Lux and I got married, if we're talking about business-wise and what I've done in my career, I think the thing that uh, stands out most was the first time I played the freshman and nobody, and I messed up the lyrics. <laughs> and, uh, and I thought, well nobody's going to like this or whatever. And I, I, I had, but I had for the life of me, I cannot remember. Or I had the, she was touching her face line, right. Or whatever. And I had so many people come up afterwards. It was at Rick's cafe in Kalamazoo, Michigan. Mm -hmm. uh, and so many people came up and said, what is that song about the girl touching her face? And I knew at that moment, I was like, Oh, I've written something that might do something like, already mm. i sang all the lyrics wrong the story didn't make any sense and still it was catchy enough that i had a bunch of people come up and say what was that song what was that song whose song is that you know and i got to say that's my song and yeah. in 2020 <laughs> you didn't want to touch your faces anymore <laughs> yeah thank you yeah you're right i gotta say that was probably the most momentous momentous yeah i would say that that's the moment um for me where i I knew, and I still get chills thinking about that very moment because I knew the light went on and said, I can do this. I can do this for a living. Thank you for sharing <laughs> that with me. That's a great story. Yeah. And thank you. The, the, the final thing is I have to thank you because without you, I don't, I don't do what I'm doing anymore. You encouraged me when I was at WHFR and mm. with, with the interview that we did there that you, you told your patrons, uh, patrons about and how you remember that it was a good interview. I did, oh, I did. I did prepare my ass off for that interview, and I, I will. I will say yes, I did. But since then, you you made me believe in myself because of the way you you reacted to that. Well, you're great, John. Anybody listens to you knows you're great. You're. This is what you were meant to do. You know, talk about music and ask good questions, and you got a great voice for it. Everything. Uh, this is what you were meant to do. And you don't even know that you helped me keep going even this year when I was trying mm -hmm. to make a decision on a job that was being presented to me leave this full-time job that has a, for the first living wage you've made in who knows how long right. to take this part-time job. But your words then came to me as well mm. at a time I needed to know that what I do has value. So, well, thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> I don't necessarily agree 100%. <laughs> you don't know. You don't know. I don't know. You don't only know the you, impact you have on me. Only you know, but I will say you're welcome, John. New album is called Threads. Can people pre-order it on the website? At least digitally? Uh, they will. Not, not yet. It's okay. not ready yet. It'll be um, there. Um, but uh, maybe by the time 
Yeah. Get to Phoenix. Yeah. <laughs> ah, nice. <laughs> full Way circle. to bring it full circle. Right, we're back. Thanks to David Palmer. David Palmer is the realtor that's been sponsoring this uh, podcast for the last couple months. David Palmer is associated with Realty Experts LLC, 1420 Washington, number 301, Detroit, Michigan, 48226-313-759-9558, dcpalmer.com. Check him out. He's got uh, many different things he can do for you, but the one that he wants me to tell you about is his uh, realty service, but he's... He's well-rounded in other things. He's got a few other ideas and things he wants to do. So, Brian, what a pleasure. We went a little over the, the length of time we're supposed to be here. So oh. thanks for letting me chat with you about all the songs. And the of record. course, man. Give, give me the first uh, interview probably for the album. It is. That is the first interview and well-deserved that you get it. Thank you. Thanks, brother. That's the last thing I ever do. I'm proud of it. All right. All right. Thanks for joining us. Uh, thanks to Grove Studios. And uh, we'll be back.